you're being seated, hallelujah is the highest praise. It's that sacrifice of the lips that says, God, you're my everything. And it evokes a certain spiritual intoxication that just causes you to really say lie, ponder, and think about how good God is. And I just believe with each moment of encouragement, each moment of revelation, each moment of teaching during this campaign, that you'll grow, whether it's inch by inch, foot by foot, yard by yard, or mile by mile. I believe that you'll gain something according to your faith that'll revolutionize and give you a greater understanding, a a, a revelation of Abba, Father, Daddy, God. So that just a simple word, hallelujah, evokes a something a little deeper. A little more personal in whatever you're facing. Yeah, why don't we practice that? Lift your hands and just say hallelujah. Say your my God. Now go ahead and thank him for being a good God in your life. Hallelujah. Come on, thank him for being good and being good. I'm talking about there are times when you didn't even realize how good he was, that he was good to you. Well, church, we're getting ready to embark on 40 days of what we're calling Connect 40 campaign. And and so our time is limited and we'll take some time during the message to share certain things. Take some time at the back end of the message. But we really want you to commit to the next six weeks of your life, if you can, to not miss a church service because we believe that God will intentionally do some things over this next six weeks that will really bring life to you and bring life to this church. And so why do we do these 40 days? Why? What is the purpose? You know, a lot of people always want to know why 40 days. What's the significance of the number 40? Well, really, if you look in the Bible, the number 40 means a period of testing or trial. I like this word a little better, a period of proving. And so psychologists have now learned that pretty much it takes about 21 days to break a habit. So if you can stop doing something for 21 days, I mean, you can break a habit. Let's just say like cussing or something like that. You can stop that for 21 days. You can break the habit. But psychologists now have also learned that it takes 40 days for transformation. So in other words, for the behavior to be permanent, it takes about six weeks of being consistent in that area. And so, biblically, 40 days you'll see is consistent all throughout Scripture. Actually, God considers a 40-day period, he considers it very significant in the Bible. You'll look back and you'll know Noah and the 40 days of rain. You'll also recall Moses and his 40 days on Mount Sinai. You might remember the spies. They spent 40 days in the promised land. But notice, transformation only happened to two of them in that 40 days, Joshua and Caleb. The city of Nineveh was transformed by Jonah's 40 days of preaching. The disciples were transformed by spending 40 days with Jesus after the resurrection. I mean, that's what catapulted them into the book of Acts. You spend 40 days with someone after they've risen from the grave. I mean, you're not going to doubt that God is who he said he is, right? You just need one. Yeah, you really just need one. And so we're believing, God, that after 40 days, your life and this church will never be the same. 
But notice, just like the 12 spies went in, only two came back with a good report, which means only two wholly committed to the process. So like anything else in life, you only get out of it what you put into it. That's right. Now, according to the vision of Linked Up Church, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible because that actually uh, gets to the heart of what Linked Up Church is all about. And it says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. He said, pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along with your eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you, but look up. Be linked up. Mm -hmm. It says, look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ, because that's where the action is. Yeah. See things from his perspective. Yeah. Now, the memory verse for this week, I believe, is Colossians chapter 3, verse 24, and we're gonna live, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, which says, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. When you understand to whom you belong, when yeah. you receive him as our God, as we just sang, mm -hmm. when you receive him as daddy, Abba, father, you don't have time for the petty stuff that's going on around you. In that's fact, right. you have an understanding that this is just temporary. Yes. You have an understanding that this is just a test. If it's a test, then it's going to propel me. Mm-hmm. If it's a temptation, then you know what? I'm just going to prove to the enemy who's really in charge because my attitude, my perspective, and my response is based off of God's response and not off of you what you think I should do or say. That's right. When we look at things from God's perspective, mm -hmm. we don't engage. We understand that our warfare is not flesh and blood. That's right. It's not carnal. That's right. But he says that it's through the transforming of our minds bringing down dominions, bringing down strongholds that are in our minds so you don't have time for worrying about whether they're disrespecting you. You can't get caught up on what they made you look like. That's right. Revelation says that God says that he's my father and vengeance is his. Yeah. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you through this. Right. I'm going to take the high, high road. road. Y'all get it? Yeah. High road yeah. and watch God act out on my behalf. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to talk about in week one the promises of God. I mean, God has made promises to all of us. Yes. And, of course, we can't exhaust all of them today, but we pulled out five that we believe will be very beneficial to you as a starting point and that will bless your life. And so number one promise of God is the promise of salvation. So go with me to Romans chapter 10, verse 13, the promise of salvation. And it is so much in our salvation package. How I many know we need to take full advantage of everything that's in the package, right? And so in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, we know the process for being saved is to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised them from the grave for whoever uh, confesses out of their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We know that that person shall be born again. Verse 13 says, for whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be what? I'm glad I'm a whosoever. Yes. Anyone else in here glad you're a whosoever? Yes. I'm glad I called upon the name of the Lord 
because it saved me from a horrible childhood. Come on, somebody. It saved me from being a womanizer. It saved me from being financially illiterate. It just saved me from everything. It delivered me from poverty, sickness, disease, shame. It de delivered me from the shame of not having a father growing up, thinking I could never be a man. I could never be a husband. I could never... Folks, this salvation package has so much good yes, in it that you yes. shouldn't even recognize your life after three years of being in it. Just right. by the nature of the word alone, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word saved is a Greek word, sozo, and it means to save. I mean, you know, a woman, when she gets married, she believes her life is going to get better. And the wife said... Amen. I don't amen. know. I don't know a woman that marries amen. a man to to be worse. Amen. 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 Say that again. That bears repeating. I don't know a woman who marries a man for their life to get worse. Amen. Well, how many know when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? We got time. Have you see that clock right there? I'm staying focused. I'm just saying, my life is better. My amen. life is better. All right. Amen. See, I knew I should have left her sitting right over there tonight. We're not even going to get through this whole message today. See, I don't even know. Where was my spot at? And so, how you know, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we become married to God. Yes, yes. Through a relationship with him. And he promised us. This word sozo means to save. It means to keep safe. How you know God is big enough to protect us. Yes, yes. It means to rescue from danger or destruction. So whatever I was going through, whatever was lacking in my life, how I many know God is big enough to pull me up out of it? Come on, somebody. And then place me in a better situation and keep me in that situation going forward. It means to preserve. How I many know we shouldn't age like the world ages? People should look at us and say, What's, what is And we should just tell them it's just God. It means to make well. It means to be whole. I mean, God wants your life well, spirit, soul, and body. And the moment you receive Jesus, that is in the package, and you should not accept anything less than wholeness in your life. You want your finances whole. You want your marriage whole. Come on, somebody. You want your children whole. You want your career whole. You want every aspect of your life whole. Why? Because it's a part of the package. And then I love this. It means to heal and to restore to health. So notice, God will heal your body, but the pathway through healing is always for you to walk in divine health where you don't need healing anymore. And, folks, that's in that package. And let me help you understand something as far as your thinking. The reality is that there are people who deal in faith that deal with sickness and disease. Mm -hmm. They do. It doesn't mean that they're less in faith or weaker in anything. But the greater thing is that they're not in bondage right. to the sickness or the disease. Mm -hmm. Do you understand the difference? Yeah. I have some family folks here, and, and, and we were just talking this morning. That it's more important not to be in bondage That's right. to the sickness or the disease. There's one man of God that I, uh, that I follow, Nick, what's his name? Vujicic. Vujicic. He was born with no arms and legs. Can God grow out arms and legs? 
Yeah, of course. But the reality is it hasn't happened for him. Right. But this man is married with healthy children, mm -hmm. preaching the gospel all over the world. That's right. He's not in bondage. It's good. It's good. Number two, the promises of God. There is the promise of unconditional love. That's a blessing. Ooh. It's the promise of unconditional love. This is the, it's so passionate. If some forgive me for all the tears. You know I'm a fountain anyway. <laughs> but these things are just so, ooh, it's Rich. in my spiritual DNA. Yes. Romans chapter 8, if you would turn with me there. Again, I'm going to read to you from the, the hood edition. <laughs> the message edition, the keep it 100. They don't say that no more. So what do they say now? I don't know. But uh, the, 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 <laughs> the message edition, it says, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. Verse 38 and 39. I'm sorry, verse 38 and 39. It says, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or nothing dead, nothing angelic or nothing demonic, nothing today or nothing tomorrow, nothing high or nothing low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get in between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. That will preach all by itself. Let me read that to you again. I want you to just pay attention to the words. Yeah. If you can, just close your eyes and receive this by the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, it says, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living, nothing dead, nothing angelic or nothing demonic, nothing today, nothing tomorrow, nothing high, nothing low, nothing thinkable or unthinkable. Nothing, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. God does not treat us according to our actions or That's our right. behavior. Right. God treats us by the way we receive and we respond to his love. Yeah. His love is unconditional. Yeah. It is not based upon what you did or didn't do. That's right. In fact, responses to prayer is not based on what you did and didn't do. God doesn't love the, the sinner in the street or the drug addict in the rehab center any less than he loves you and me. But guess what? He don't love the billionaires and the do-gooders any more than he loves you. That's right. You can do, understand that you can do nothing. There's nothing you can do to minimize, eradicate, or avoid God's love for you. Yeah. Nothing. He wakes up thinking about you. Yes. In fact, he don't even sleep nor slumber thinking about you. Yeah. And he's so great and he's so grand that he can think about all of us at the same time yeah. but respond to each of us independently. That's good. And it says, by the way, Jesus embraced us. Do you know how many times you cussed out Jesus? How many times you, you went off on him? How many times you rejected him? You know, when you did something and then instantly you think, I shouldn't have did that. But he doesn't look at any of that. Yeah. He's like, I know, baby. That's all right. You're growing. I'm dead. I, I know. Yeah. And he still embraces us. Yeah. How many people you know will leave his throne 
put on clothing of flesh and blood. Some of us won't even pick up a phone for somebody. But we'll leave the throne, spend three years with humanity, 33 and a half years with humanity, three years teaching them, knowing that one of them is going to kill them. Knowing that he's going to have to yield that flesh that he stripped himself away from the throne for to save you and me. You know, when I think about unconditional love, you know, while we were at our worst, he was at his best. And the scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so I'm reflecting on just being parents and raising children who are growing. Just think about how patient God's been with you while you're growing. And it's amazing how we want to go at our children so hard because they're growing. It's unconditional, folks. Imagine if we can just stop that for a moment and just say, you know what? I love you unconditionally. Now, the behavior I'm disappointed with, but I love you so much that it'll, nothing you can do could ever change how much I love you. Man, I think it'll help us be better spouses as well. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, in a marriage, we don't always get it right. I mean, we are not always perfect towards each other. But if we love each other unconditionally, how I many we can kind of look past the behavior and say, I'm going to love you for the rest of my life? Because what we're doing is giving the love away that we've also received. That's right. But if we don't receive it, how can we give it away? That's right. That's right. That's right. Number three, the promise of health and healing. How I many know God wants you healthy? I believe healing is for the world. Health is for the body of Christ. I just believe that with all of my heart. I don't believe he went to the cross, died, took 42 stripes. Come on, somebody, for us to experience sickness and disease. I believe he paid the price for us to be well for the rest of our lives. And he wants us to take that healing to the world. But just in case it happens to us, how many you know it's still in the package? All right, and so health and healing, that is a promise from God. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, or 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray and I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in, what's that word there? Notice it didn't say healing, did it? It says prosper and be in what? Health, even as your soul prospers. How many know health is something that you do? Healing is something that God does. But health is something that you do. Uh-oh, see, right there, the, the energy of the service just went out right there. We should drink water every day, not coffee and soda pop all day long. Okay, see, I'm not going to get a whole lot of love. See, health is something we do. I mean, we need to exercise. You know, I'm reminded of a, a lady in the gym, and the trainer, they were just right next to where I was stretching. And the trainer, part of the process was getting on the scale. So the trainer was saying, how can we locate where you're at and where we want to take you if you don't get on the scale? She said to him, I don't do scales. She said, I go by my dress sizes. He said, well, you go by your dress sizes. I go by the scale. Watch this now. She said, I don't do scales. 
He said, if you don't get on the scale, then I can't work with you. She said, well, I guess we can't work together. This is what I love. This is what he said to her. It was so loving. He said to her, do you understand? You're not walking away from me because you already paid for the class. That's <laughs> so what he said to her. He said, you're not walking away from me. You're walking away from the opportunity to look the best and feel the best you've ever looked and felt in your life. She was unwilling to submit to the process. I mean, health is a choice. You got to eat right. You know, fruits and vegetables are good. I need a better amen than that. Water is good. Exercise is good. You need six to eight hours, preferably eight hours of sleep a night. You need to cut the stress out of your life. Health is a choice. Healing. Let's look at that. The promises of God. Health and healing. Go with me to James chapter 5. Look at verse 16. And I should tell you all this too. The lady walked right out of the gym. No refund. So did you see what the trainer was telling her? You're not, that's not going to hurt me. You've already paid for the class. What you're walking away from is an opportunity to look and feel the best you've ever looked and felt in your life. The only thing that was keeping her from doing it was seeing what the actual number was. Was that for anybody in here today? That was for me. I mean, we all, this is, health is not easy. I don't wake up every day. Can I just be transparent? Can I just tell you? I don't wake up, glory to God, let's go to the gym. No, I, I wake up like, man. And what ends up happening, as I'm working out, just like prayer, I start feeling better. And then by the time I complete the workout, I'm so glad that I did it. But the starting point is the same way every single time. Right? There are times, can I just be really transparent? I've gone and sat on the bench and talked myself right out of it. <laughs> and just went in the steam room and sauna and said, this will be a relaxed day today. <laughs> Come on, somebody in here know what I'm talking about. You made the drive all the way up there, too, and got right back in the car. And, went, and then I left there and went and got some breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm saying to you all, health is not easy. Health is work, but it's so worth it. It's the greatest gift you could give yourself. James 5.16 says, confess your trespasses one to another. Now notice, and then pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Avails much. So I believe God wants us to walk in health, but he wants to use us to provide healing to those who need it. There is a direct connect you'll see as we're talking about the promises of God, where God promises us something, but our response should be that we also promise to be a vessel by which we can deliver that. Yes. See, that part of her not wanting to get on that scale is that lack of unconditional love for herself. When we don't want to look in that glass of the word of God and be real with who we are, That's right. we pick and choose what parts of ourselves we're going to love and like. And then we sort of try to brush the others up under the rug. But they end up surfacing back up because they're the very things that plague us. That's right. Number four, the promises of forgiveness. That's a good one. God promises 
that he forgives us. In fact, the blood of Jesus was shed on our behalf so that we could be forgiven. Yes. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. The New King James Version says, In him we have e redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. When we look in that glass and we can honestly say, God, I'm dealing with this and I repent and I present it before you. God says, okay, baby, I can work with you on that as long as you've acknowledged it. But I'm forgetting about it because now I'm directing your focus and towards you to walking towards your righteousness. That's right. What I've provided for you. He says, according to the, the grace that he's provi uh, provided for us. That's right. He's given us everything we need to succeed in life. That's right. His unconditional love braids itself in forgiveness. Amen. He doesn't harbor or hold against. And guess what? He's not withholding answers to prayer because of what you did. That's right. That's right. He's not. He's not responding to your faith because of what you did. He says, all my promises are yes and amen. It's yours for the taking. That's right. Matter of fact, we've learned that God is just the opposite, that when you do something wrong, he'll bless you. Why? Because it's the goodness of God that leads me into repentance. And it makes us say that if God did that for me while I was like that, how much more? And it's his love that causes us to not want to hurt him. Now, that doesn't give you license to go out there and cut up. Not at all. Because you wouldn't even want. Think about what Titus 2 says. It says, the grace teaches us to deny all worldly ungodliness and lust. That's right. So the more we realize how good he's been to us, the less we want to do anything to hurt him. That's right. And that's our response. And how much he's forgiven us. Exactly. So, you know, in, in forgiveness, when we truly receive God's forgiveness towards us, then guess what? It makes it easier for us to forgive others. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's a reciprocated response. That's right. In fact, he can only, he, our, his access to forgive us is limited by our willingness to forgive others. He says it right here in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. So, our response to his forgiveness is our ability to forgive others. Mm -hmm. When you find yourself holding and clutching on to what they did to me and you don't understand and this hurt and how can I recover? Even from such horrendous crimes. It doesn't void you forgiving that person. Mm -hmm. Because all that does, it releases them, you from the, the clutch of their evil but it also puts you in a position to receive God's forgiveness towards you. I heard a man of God say that forgiveness or unforgiveness is like you giving, you drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. That's right. And what I've learned in almost 20 years of ministry is that a lot of times people have the hardest times forgiving themselves. Reality is we become our own hardest judge. And we master it putting on this mask, but we still are limited by what we haven't forgiven ourselves for. Mm -hmm. That's good. And God is not like that. That's right. His unconditional love is braided in there, this eternal forgiveness. In fact, he says, my mercy is new every, every morning. morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
He says, once you confess, your sins are as far from me as the east is from the west. Think about that. You nor anyone else has the right or the ability to keep you in the bondage of your past or your sins. If God isn't. That's right. They only do, we only do, according to the power that we've given people to do so. That's good. Now, let's act on that real quick. How many of y'all can think about something that you just need to forgive yourself about? You know God's already forgiven you. How many of y'all can think about something you just need to forgive yourself about? Why don't you just lift your hands to the Father and just say this by faith. Say, Father, I thank you that you've already forgiven me. And now, Father, I forgive myself. Now give yourself a big hug. Love on yourself. And say, today is the first day of the rest of my life and decide to move on from that. Now how many of y'all can think about someone that you need to forgive? (laughs) And you know how I know, this is how I know. I I ran into someone about four weeks ago. This is how I knew I hadn't forgiven them. I tensed up as soon as I saw them. Y'all know what I mean? As soon as I saw them. And then I started thinking about how much God had forgiven me of. Because I wasn't going to go over there and speak. I mean, you know, that's ugly. But we're all human beings, right? And so I wasn't going to go over there because I tensed up. And then I started thinking about how much God had forgiven me. But watch this. I went over and gave him a hug, but it was a fake hug. <laughs> See, I'm just willing to be honest. Anybody else in here know what I'm talking was, about? Uh, it, it wasn't, wasn't a, a fake hug. It was just you breaking through the flesh, honey. Is that what it was? You were tearing down those strongholds. I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm working Sometimes on it. Sometimes we got to step out in the flesh. Because you know how you do one of these. You go give them. <laughs> That's what it was like. Can, can I just be honest? But how I many know that was a step in the right direction? I'm working on that. But here's the real reality. I need to work all the way through that. And I know that and I'm aware of that. Okay, so how many of y'all can think of someone that you need to forgive? All right, let's all make a decision today to release them. Say, Father God, I forgive. Now, they might be sitting next to you, so say the name silently. Say, Father God, I forgive. Now, say their name. Some of y'all running through a list. That's why he's taking I just did. I just ran off four names right there. I said, Lord, help my heart right there. I thought it was just one, and four names came, came out easy like that. And so say, Father God, I release them now. Now, thank God for it. Thank God for it. And, and this is what I dare you to do. In the sincerity of your heart to forgive yourself and another, go out and take part in a faith challenge. Do something that you thought limited you. Step outside of what you can do and watch God show up for you. Mm -hmm. And that's different for everyone in the room. But challenge yourself to see what he wants you to do to now act on that forgiveness. That's right. That's good. That's excellent. Number five, last one for the day, the promise of Provision. Boy, it was real quiet at that moment in this service. Everyone okay out there? I mean, forgiveness is not easy either. It really isn't, especially when we think we've been hurt or wrong, okay? But it's worth it. 
He's loving you. Okay? Number five, the promise of provision. Go with me to 2 Peter, and let's read chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. I'll be reading out of the New King James Version of the Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. The promise of provision. It says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So notice, grace, unearned, undeserved favor, peace, rest, quietness to be set at one again can be multiplied to us. But notice, it's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So a lot of times we want more peace and we want more grace. I mean, it all comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the more relationship I have with the word, the more peace and grace he releases in my life. And I love this. And as his divine power, past tense, has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So what you've got to understand in the mind of the Father, seeing things from his perspective, he's already given you everything that you will ever need as it relates to life and godliness. That's a spouse. That's children. That's healing. That's health. That's career. That's life. He, in his mind, he's already prearranged a good life for you to live. But it's through the knowledge. So, so think about it. The more I learn about what he's promised me, the more faith I have to actually receive what he believes he's already given me. Can you all see that? So it says here, as it pertains unto life and godliness, but once again, he reiterates through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, by which he's given us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, in other words, to be just like him, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So notice, it's his promises that drive us far away from the things that lust tries to keep us in. It's things like this I do with my children. You know, I mean, you've got to put both realities in front of your children. What do I mean by that? I mean, the world is pulling on your children. And their friends and social media and technology. And there's a strong pull that the world has where your children. What parents have to do is say that there are consequences for those choices. But here are the promises that your, prom your parents have made for you that if you just stay on this side, you're going to walk in the fullness of everything that your parents have already prearranged for you to have. All you can do as a parent, though, is hope that they make and believe that they make the right choice. So can you see what God has done? All he's done is put the promises out there. But the pull of the world will always try to take us away from those promises. What we've got to say is I want the reward of the promise greater than I do the lust of this world. And I always do that. How I many you know it's, it's present with all of us? Uh, every day all of us can make big mistakes. But I always think about, man, is that worth losing all of this? And that always balances me and keep me, keeps me straight. So if you can begin to discipline yourself to spend time daily in the Word of God, growing in your relationship with God through the Word of God, I mean, you can have more of the promises of God in your life. Let's look at one more. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6, and I want to read this out of the Message Bible. Matthew chapter 6, verse 30 through 34, Message Bible. We know that people is encouraging them, them to not worry about what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, where they're going to live. And then notice what he says here, Message Bible, verse 30. People who don't know God 
and the way he works fuss over things, these things. But you know God, I love this, both God and how he works. Message Bible, steep your life in God reality. See, folks, how many know what's real is God? The world tries to make us think that everything else is real, but, but the reality is God is real. It says God initiatives, God provisions. It literally says steep your life in God reality, God initiatives, and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. So if you understand what he's saying is if you make him your life, you won't miss out on anything. Isn't that good? Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met every day. Isn't that good? That's a big-time promise right there, that everything I need for every day will always be met. So you're saying that if the lights are turned off, the water has been shut off, and we have a foreclosure notice that's been sent, I need money. Mm -hmm. That's what I need. Mm -hmm. And when I go out searching for money, mm. I'll hit barriers, detours, and blockades. When you make that your reality. When I make the re my reality the fact that I need money. Right. Now, it's a fact. It's a fact. That I need money. But when I make that my pursuit, mm -hmm. there's a 50-50 chance that I may or may not get it. Yeah, and that's all my effort. That's all my on his So brain. when I redirect my attitude, when I redirect my need mm -hmm. and pursue him, mm -hmm. in him the promises are yes and amen. Mm -hmm. In him are all my provisions. Mm -hmm. So he may not rain down money from heaven, mm -hmm. but he'll give me the insight, the direction, the favor, the, the wisdom, the, the wisdom mm -hmm. on how to, where to, and to whom mm -hmm. I should speak to mm -hmm. get what I need. Mm -hmm. God, you, are, you know the lights are out. He, we didn't surprise him with that. He knows we're sitting in the dark. He knows these things. And so what we're saying is, God, you're bigger than the foreclosure notice. You're bigger than my lights being out. And God, I trust you. You promised me that you would supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. God, you said if I make you my initiative and if I make you my reality and I trust you for my provisions, you said you'd meet my everyday so, needs. But, but, but you don't understand because my kids got to take a shower before they go to school in the morning and the water is out. But God, you love my kids more than I do. And this is just one day, Father, and what he'll do is lead me to the gym and take me to the gym and clean us all up at the gym. Then while at the gym, somebody will see me, and God will speak to their heart. What I'm saying is it, it, there are a million ways for God to meet your everyday needs. Come on, I wish I had a little bit more faith in this room today. But if your focus is on that and not on God being your reality, then now it's all effort. It's all works. It's all legalism. He says, don't worry about missing out. You'll find your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. That's faith. And don't get worked up about what uh, I love this. What may or may not happen tomorrow. You know, we spend the majority of our time worrying about what has not happened. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. I can prove this to everyone in this room. How many of y'all have ever had a day 
where you could not see how you would make it out of that day? Raise your hand if you've ever had that. Did you make it out of that day? Well, is God the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? Well, if you made it out of that day, you can make it out of every other day that you'll live on the face of this earth. Come on, church. Come on. Don't leave me up here on this stage by myself. But it goes back to where is your focus? What is your reality? That's right. He said the weapon will form, but it won't prosper. He said that when the righteous run into that refuge, they are safe. Mm-hmm. He says, right, seek right. ye first the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. his way of doing things, mm-hmm. and everything else will be added. Watch this. I'm led to do this. I just believe God wants to show himself real in somebody's life right now. Is there someone in here that you have a reality, a need, that you don't know how it's going to be met? Raise your hand right now. You have a reality. You have a need. You don't know how it's going to be met. This is what I challenge you to do this week. Pursue God more than what you think you need. And see if that need doesn't get met. And matter of fact, I declare that the need is already met now in Jesus' name. I mean, that's the whole deal with not worrying. The whole deal is saying, God, I know you've got this. So I'm going to make you my pursuit while you show me how to work on this situation right here. Who believes that? Anybody believe the need is already met? Come on. How, how would you act if you had it in your hand right now? Come on. Come on. Release some faith in this room right now. Come on. Give God glory that the need is already met in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, two keys to, in, uh, to living in the promises of God. Two keys. We just talked about five, but there are a lot more. But two keys to living in all the promises of God according to how you've learned them. Number one, believe that God's promises are for you. Everybody turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want you to say this out of your own mouths. First, let me get there. Verse 20. Everybody there? One, two, three, read. For all in him are yes and amen to the glory of God the Father. His promises are yes and amen. Think of a good father. Think of a good daddy. If you did not have a daddy, just imagine what daddy would be like. If he would have did what he was supposed to do. <laughs> Daddies protect. Yeah. Daddies provide. Daddies help grow. They cultivate. Mm-hmm. Daddies teach. But daddies also discipline. That's right. Think of that. When, when he, when, with our daughter, I use a living example. My husband sat her down and said, baby, if you do A, B, and C, you can have this. Now, we had the ability to get her her car when she was four years old. But was she ready to deal with a car? No. No. But the promise was there. Was it not? That's right. The promise was there. And she didn't worry or be concerned about anything. She didn't have to be concerned about anything but doing what she was instructed to do, to walk in that promise. Mm -hmm. 
She could do nothing more to gain it. She could do nothing less to, uh, to outdo it. She just had to do what was already laid out for her. And it was just three things. She did it, and praise God, she got the promise when she was ready to receive it. That's good. That's good. That's good. Because if it came through any earlier, it would have towed her up. Could you imagine a 12-year-old child? Now, you was 12 driving cars. That wasn't a good thing, was it? Yeah, but I wasn't driving them the right way, though. The right way Stretch as in being. your hands towards me right now. That's just growing up in Detroit, Michigan. I was not driving those cars the right way. God is not withholding God's any. Me too. God's not withholding. Amen. <laughs> He's not withholding any good thing from us. Sometimes there's a blessing in his no. That's right. Sometimes his no is not a no, but a later. So, yeah. There was a social study on people that won the lottery. <laughs> Prematurely giving, getting an abundance of money. They lumped that with athletes, 18, 19-year-old athletes that got three, four, five, six million dollar contracts. They lumped the whole study together and found out that these people could not sustain their wealth beyond three and a half years. True. Some of us are believing God for some big money. He still promises to provide. But just because the answer doesn't look like you think it should look, maybe it's time that we get in his will instead of him asking us to bless our will. Excellent. Because a good daddy's going to say, do A, B, and C, and here's the promise. That's right. That's right. But he's not, a good father's not going to give us something that we're not ready to handle. That's good. That's excellent. Amen. Amen. Second key is put your faith in what he has already done for you and not what you have to do. That's good. Herein, one word, grace. Put your faith in what he has already done and not what you have to do. Mm-hmm. God's not obligated to do what you can already do. He's obligated to meet you where you are and fulfill what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. But his grace is already there. Right. He's already provided. He's already healed. He's already delivered. He's already set free. He's already forgiven. He's already loved. He's already given uh, eternity. He's already counseled. He's already comforted. He's already guided. He's already instructed. He's already gifted. He's already called. He's already anointed. He's already done it. That's right. And when we rest in what daddy has, my kids don't wake up wondering if the roof is still going to be there. They rest, they, they don't think about whether they got something to eat. Now, it might not always be what they want to eat. Right. Especially if I have to cook. It's hot dogs. <laughs> it must be boiled if I'm cooking today. Boiled at a certain time of the day. <laughs> Because he can burn a boiling situation. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Understand this, live, human-to-human example. I love me some Joel Gregory. Amen. I love 
I love me some Joel Gregory. Yes. I love, I love, I love, I love Joel Gregory. Yes. When I cook, I'm not doing it to get his love. When I clean, I'm not doing it to get his love. When I give him a kiss in the morning, I'm not doing this because I need to get some more love. When I compliment him, I'm not doing that to get some more love. I'm doing that in response to the confidence that I have in his love towards me. So when we walk around with this attitude that I cook, I clean, I do this for you, and you're not responding the way you want me to, that uh, I want you to, we have this here disposition that our service should quantify and qualify for your love. And therefore, we're always disappointed. That's right. That's right. Always. Always disappointed. Now, I understand as a woman, we can feel unappreciated sometimes. And the lady said, Amen. I get that. I'm joking. Come out. Come out in Jesus' name. <laughs> but nevertheless, it doesn't, if we love them and they love us and we're confident in that love. That's right. It doesn't matter there because I'm doing this because I love him mm -hmm. and I choose to. Mm -hmm. God, we can't outserve God. We can't outgive God. We can't outlove God. Mm -hmm. So when you show up at a church or you show up to help somebody at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning, when you go outside of your daily routine to be a blessing to somebody, they don't owe you and God don't owe you. God gave you the, the ability to be a blessing. So you're responding from his kindness and his goodness and him being a, a, embedding in you the ability to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. God's grace is abundant, but it has limitations. We access more grace when we operate in the fact that, God, I do this because I love you. This is my response to your love, my love uh, your love towards me. This is how I respond to your goodness. This is how I respond to what you've already done. And then he keeps pouring out his grace, keeps pouring out his grace. Having a conversation, it's like a kid that goes and play in a sandbox. We dress, him, we dress him up, we put on his little shorts and his nice little socks, cute little Jordans and a t-shirt to match. Comb his hair, lotion him up, grease him up real good. Put some of that mama love on him. <laughs> and we say, go play now. They go out and play and they happen upon a sandbox. And they say, ooh, this looks good. And they get all in the sandbox and, they, and they, it's there to play in, but they get sand. You know, sand tends to get in places that you didn't know it could get to. As a good parent, the sand was there. The baby goes play. And our response when the baby plays, if they mess up and get dirty, what do we, how do we respond? Clean them up, set them back up, and set them on a path. And now we instruct them, okay, you can play in the sand, but with these limitations. Every day we get up, God, our Father, says, okay, baby, here's healing, here's provision, here's mercy, here's grace, here's righteousness, here's holiness, here's the word, here's faith. He dresses us up, puts some of that daddy love on us called the Holy Ghost. And he sends us out into this 
sandbox called the world to play. And we sometimes get dirty. But his grace says, okay, well, come on back home and let's start all over again. That's good. And as we are attentive to him, we heed the limitations. Okay, here you go. But when you're playing the sand, make sure it doesn't get in this here crevice. <laughs> nothing you can do yeah. or nothing you have or have not done earned what you walk in today. That's right. What you walk in, when you think of, when you close your eyes, I know for me, let me make it personal. When I think of what I could have, should have, or would have been. Mm. <laughs> oh, but by the grace of the Lord have I been redeemed. Amen. 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 Praise God. Anybody thank God for his grace today? Come on, all of us, all of us could have ended up a whole lot of different places. You notice what that Ephesians 2 says is not of works, lest any man should boast. So notice, if we didn't do anything to earn our salvation, folks, we don't have to do anything to earn our healing. We don't have to do anything to earn provision. All the promises that we just, we don't have to do anything to earn those. Only thing we have to do is believe because they've already been provided. Let's lift our hands to the Father today. We're just out of time. Right there where you're seated. And I want you to thank God for every promise that he's made to you. We've only won over five today, but thank him for the promise of salvation. Come on, thank him for the promise of healing and health. Thank him for the promise of provision. Thank him for the promise of forgiveness. Father, we just thank you for all the promises of God in you, our yes and amen. And we certainly receive those today, Father. And we know that it is your heart that we walk in them all the days of our lives. And so, Father, my prayer is that every person in here will have that, their God reality, Father, when they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are real. My prayer is that every person will walk in the fullness of every promise that you've provided for us. In Jesus' name. And while you're in that attitude of prayer.